Hi, this is Mike Hauser from Gloversville, New York. Uh, I am an avid researcher and documenter of upstate New York sports history. All that research culminated into a series of monthly columns for the Leader Herald newspaper called Upstate New York Sports Lore. And since, I've started taking those stories and turning them into paperback books so we can further document and post the history, the great sports history of our area. Hometown Sports Heroes. This is the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. Mike Hauser, who indeed writes a monthly column for the Leader Herald newspaper in Gloversville called Upstate New York Sports Lore, uh, joins us on the program. Mike also is writing a series of books of stories about Fulton County sports called Hometown Sports Heroes. The writing began as an offshoot of needing to write biographies for the players that were being inducted into the Fulton County Baseball and Sports Hall of Fame, which was founded in 2012. And I gather, Mike, and there's a question coming here. Originally, someone else uh, wrote the sports bios. His name was Andy Fusco. Can you tell me uh, about Andy Fusco and how you came to uh, start writing the biographies? Andy Fusco was a native of Johnstown. And the way we met, um, I did a uh, presentation at the Fulton County Museum one summer. Uh, each year they have a featured exhibit where you take over one room of the, the museum. So it's always rotating. So one year we did the history of baseball in Fulton County, created a timeline. And one day I get a letter in the mail from an attorney in Auburn, got a little nervous, and I opened it. And it was a letter from an attorney named Andy Fusco who had been to visit the museum and he gave me a critique of what he saw, told me what I had right and some things I was missing and I might want to focus on. So rather than being offended, I, uh, I embraced him. I called him up and said, tell me what, you know, tell me what I'm missing. What did I get right? What did I get wrong? Mm -hmm. And, uh, we formed a very close friendship and together we came up with the idea to, to further document our history and to start in honoring and inducting the greats from the area who uh, either were from here and went on to play professionally or came here and honed their skills um, in their pursuit to the higher levels of professional sports. So uh, part, of the, part of the function of the Hall of Fame, we would have an induction and honor them. And so we had to do a, a biography on each player. So Andy took that task on. And he did a tremendous job, and um, he kind of spoiled me. I'd call him up and say, hey, I need this, and you know, I'd have something within 24 hours. Hmm. Um, unfortunately, Andy uh, passed away unexpectedly, uh, probably two years into the start of the Hall of Fame. And, but we had raised the bar with these uh, great biographies, and we couldn't stop. We couldn't not have the players and their families absolutely loved having these pieces written up that documented their their careers. Mm -hmm. So I took on the project and, uh, it was, it was kind of a daunting task at first because Andy had raised the bar. So I went above and beyond. Um, he had actually written one on Moose Grimshaw from Canada, Harry, but something happened after I had asked him to write it. We ended up changing up his hall of fame induction until a year later. So mm -hmm. I never opened, I never read his bio. So two years later, we're going to induct Grimshaw. 
And I decided to keep his piece aside as an answer key. So I wrote the bio myself and tried to get as detailed as I could, knowing that I had an answer key of Andy's that I could read and see what I did right and wrong. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how I got started. Really? Uh, that uh, is the Hall of Fame still in operation? You're still doing this? We are. We are. We've. Um, I think we're going on our ninth year, and we've inducted about 40 players so far. And you know, it was it was a tall task because we started it around 2012. Now we're trying to make up for 125 years of sports history, so it's you know it's hard trying to get all the all the great names in there. There's probably a hundred people that should be in it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're trudging along doing a few every year. Now, Mike Hauser, who's uh, joining us, I, I see you from time to time and you really are, are dedicated to this, uh, task uh, preserving the sports history. And there seems to be a lot of it in Fulton County and people are very interested in it. Do you think Fulton County is unique or is every community uh, like this in one way or another, if people were to uh, get into researching it? I think it's more prevalent than, than most people would even imagine. You know, Gloversville, Fulton County, and Montgomery County are unique. We have a little bit more because uh, we had professional teams. And we had professional teams because we were mill towns and we had large populations and then people needed some form of uh, recreation on the weekends. So, mm-hmm. of course, we had... Uh, the Amsterdam rug makers down at Shuttleworth park. And we had uh, turn of the century in Gloversville. We had the AJ and G's, the Amsterdam Johnstown Gloversville team. And then in the thirties through 51, we had the Gloversville Glovers. So when you have that kind of a, of a situation, you've got a plethora of professional teams sending their minor leaguers to your town to hone their skills. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. to answer your question, when you do start peeling back the layers of your history, every community is going to have some hometown sports heroes. I'm sure. Yeah. Now, you have your second volume in uh, the series of books that you're writing. That's out. It came out late in 2020. Another book will come out, I believe, the end of this year. Um, in uh, the second volume, of hometown sports heroes. Again, it's all dealing all with baseball. You have 16 classic baseball tales. I picked a, a few of the stories to ask you about. What is Boughton's Last Stand, the, a story in the 2020 sure. book? So um, Jim Boughton was a major league pitcher, uh, most famous for pitching for the Yankees um, and writing the, the controversial tell-all book called Ball Four. And uh, so, so Boughton had pitched for the Yankees, and I think in '62 he won um, he won over 20 games. So in '63 he won 21 games, and he appeared in the World Series. And then the following year he followed that up with another 18 wins, two of them, two additional wins coming in the World Series uh, against the Cardinals. But um, after he, well, at the end of his career, uh, he documented the 1970 season where he, he just basically kept a diary of what went on kind of in the locker room and after hours uh, during mm-hmm. the season. And he, he wrote it. It was kind of an expose where he upset a lot of players and he upset the baseball establishment because he, you know, 
I guess it was a precursor to the press of today where, you know, they're very detailed and they follow everything. And right. that was brand new back then. That was never, never done before. So uh, Boughton really made a name for himself, uh, turned that into a broadcasting career went on the speaking circuit. And then um, late in life, he had a, he was about 74 and he had a stroke. And around that time, he was really big into trying to over in Springfield, Mass. But um, he had had a stroke. And as a fundraiser to help raise money for that project, they put on a vintage baseball game. You know, and that's where the two teams will play by the rules of the late 1800s and they'll wear, they'll wear period specific uh, uniforms and use uh, period specific equipment. So mm-hmm. Boughton, to help add to the star powder of that, he suited up and he pitched. So mm-hmm. that led to him getting involved with a, a team called the Hillies Vintage Team, which evolved into the Watley Pioneers uh, out of Western Mass. And for the second Fulton County Sports Hall of Fame inductions, rather than doing a banquet, uh, in 2013, we put on a vintage game and we inducted all of our players between innings. So mm. to add to the star power of that event, uh, Jim Bouton came to Gloversville and he pitched in the game. And then we, we brought Jack McKeon. Uh, everybody knows won the world series with the Marlins back in 2003. Uh, we brought him out of retirement, signed a one day contract with them to be the manager of the AJ and G team, which was made up of all, former Glovers, Glovers of the Little Leaguers. Mm. So Bowden comes to town, you know, about a year after he'd had a stroke and he pitched in this game and it would turn out to be one of the last games he would ever pitch in. So we, so we have some claim to fame from that day that, you know, it's the last time that Jim Bowden ever pitched and it's the last game that Jack McKeon ever managed. Yes, and McKean had been on the Gloversville Glovers, the professional team that was in Gloversville at one time, right? Right. His uh, so Jack Jack just turned ninety, and he's a baseball lifer. He's still a, a special advisor to the Washington Nationals, but mm-hmm. um, he actually started as a player in '49, and his second season in professional baseball was with the Gloversville Glovers of the Canadian American. So mm-hmm. He. Obviously lived here, spent a lot of time playing in Amsterdam, um, and then you know went on to a, a long minor league career. And although mm-hmm. he never made it to the majors, uh, he made it to the major leagues in the early 70s as a manager with the Kansas City Royals. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let me move on to another story from your 2020 Hometown Sports Heroes books. And this is a name that I've heard uh, in local sports coverage over the over time, uh, the story of Brian Mee, uh, great players make great coaches. Everybody in upstate New York, you know, whether it's Fulton or Montgomery County is going to know this name. Brian um, grew up in Johnstown, graduated from Johnstown High School, was a three-sport star, football, baseball, basketball. He went on to uh, play baseball at the college and then was drafted by the Chicago Cubs. So uh, he spent a few seasons in the minor leagues with the Cubs. And in 61, he was actually a, a teammate with Lou Brock, who went on to a long career and was one of the most prolific stolen base uh, players in the history of the game. And Brian mm-hmm. actually tells a neat story that 
they were on the team bus, you know, going from one town to another and they got pulled over and it was uh, an official from the Cubs and he came onto the bus to tell Lou Brock he was going up to the major leagues and they pulled Brock off the bus and Brock was actually sitting next to Brian Me at the time. So, so after Brian's baseball career was over and he played with a, you know, a plethora of big names like Willie Stargell and uh, had a famous double header in a hundred degree weather against uh, Joe Torr, who was the catcher for the, the team they were playing. So he played against a lot of big names. Uh, he came back to teach and coach in Dwaynesburg, then brought Alban. And then his longest tenure for about 50 years was uh, in the Amsterdam school district where he was a football coach and also a baseball coach. He had very successful programs and his claim to fame and a record that still stands today in New York state is that they won 53 games uh, straight between 1973 and 1975. Another figure you, you write about in the second book uh, is, is well known in the, in baseball lore He's got a great name. Moonlight Doc Graham comes to upstate New York. What happened there? Well, everybody has seen the 1989 Kevin Costner film, uh, Field of Dreams. And there's a lot of storylines going on in that book. But one of the main ones is about a ball player named uh, Archie Moonlight Doc Graham, who got one game, one inning in the major leagues and never got a hit. So he's not in the official records. Um, so the movie, it's unique. Everybody thinks it's a fictional story and it's actually not, uh, Moonlight Doc Graham really was a player. Um, he really did have that one game with the giants and, uh, there's a few things the movie took some liberties with. So in real life, they, in the movie, they talked that Graham had that one game and then he didn't get in. So he quit and went on to become a doctor, but he actually had already become a doctor and he missed the early part of that season, which had John McGraw a little upset with him. So Graham actually got into the game. Like the movie says, it was actually for two innings. He never bats. And it was early in the season, so the season wasn't over. He didn't quit. They sat him on the bench for two weeks, and then finally McGraw released him. So two weeks later, so that was uh, June 25th, 1905, was the date of that, that game. Uh, July 7th, he would suit up with the um, Scranton Miners of the New York State mm-hmm. League, and he would catch up with the team when they were in Johnstown, New York, ah. um, to play against the AJ and G's at the Johnstown Fairgrounds. So Graham's very first game after that famous inning in the movie was here in Johnstown in Fulton County. 568 fans were there that day, you know, unknowingly witnessing a really historical moment. And, uh, did he, yeah, he went, did he, he went one for five and his one hit was a triple, which drove in the winning run. And one other and, uh, story from the volume two of hometown sports heroes, BB Gargiulo walk on ball player. BB went to Gloversville high school, never played baseball in high school until his senior year. He just walked on and made the team. The coach, Jack Kabuski watched him throw on the sideline and was impressed with his arm. So they turned him into a pitcher that season. That following spring, uh, 1950, I'm sorry, 1951 was the year he graduated high school. So 1951, the Glovers were in trouble, right? They were having a hard time getting players because, you know, the league was in trouble. Players were going on to take full-time jobs. 
So the Glovers put an ad in some national baseball papers looking for ballplayers. And two local players showed up. One was Judge Bob Sice. Everybody knows that name in the area. He, right. he had played one year in the minors ahead of that, but he, he showed up to the – answered the ad, and he made the team as a pitcher. And so did B.B. Gargiulo. He was only 18 years old, and he just showed up with no – you know, only one year of high school experience under his belt, and he made the team as well. Very good. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't a long career with the Glovers, but uh, he ended up uh, leaving the Glovers and went into the military. And when he showed up, he was stationed in Nova Scotia. When he got off the plane – they had heard that he played professionally. They decided to build a baseball team around him in Nova Scotia, which traveled around the country playing other bases. Really? How about that? That was from volume two of Hometown Sports Heroes. The first volume, uh, which had come out uh, the year, must have come out in 2019, also dealt with uh, baseball. And uh, you uh, discussed already, but maybe you want to add something more, about one of the stories in your first volume, which is about Jack McKeon and Jack McKeon back to his Gloversville roots. Yeah. So Jack, um, you know, obviously played here for just one season, but he, he's kind of never lost touch with the area. He was close, became close friends that season with another player named John Coakley. And John Coakley has been a lot of the inspiration for everything I do. He was one of my good friends. And we actually started the Hall of Fame because I wanted to do something to honor him uh, while he was still alive. And although he passed away a few months before his induction, he knew it was coming and he was thrilled. But through that connection, McKeon's been back to the area quite a bit. And, um, you know, we've, we've done things like build a, a baseball timeline, which has a whole section on him at the Fulton County Museum. So he's donated a lot of things from his career, like the hat he was wearing when the won the World Series with the Marlins in 2003. Uh, he's donated the game ball from his 900th Major League win and his 1,000th Major League win that sit on display at the Fulton County uh, Museum. And then the, the last time he was in town a few years ago, we started raising funds to put historical markers around the area to denote where these, uh, you know, landmarks are. And we mm -hmm. put one up in front of house of pizza in Gloversville to denote mm -hmm. where the uh, Glover's ballpark was back in the thirties, forties and fifties. Another story you have in, in the first um, book, the first volume is about the Pittsburgh pirates visiting uh, Gloversville's Berkshire Park. Back turn of the century, we're talking 1906, the way that the owners would recoup or help with their expenses when they were traveling is they would stop off and barnstorm or play exhibition games. And the funds they raised from those games would help cover the cost of that trip. So the players train fare, hotels, and meals. So after a series in Boston in July of uh, 1906, uh, they were traveling back to Pittsburgh to Forbes field and they stopped off to play a game at AJ and G park, which is now the home of the Gloversville little league on Harrison street in Gloversville. And mm -hmm. they played a game and the, the, the famous player in that game, and there was a couple future hall of famers, but the famous guy in that game was, uh, uh, Honus Wagner. So now we fast forward to 1937. The pirates are traveling from Boston back to, uh, Pittsburgh 
And now Wagner's a coach, and they stop in Gloversville to play at Glover's Park. And five future Hall of Famers were on the field that day, and now Wagner is a coach. And Duke Farrington, who was a local guy who had played for the Glovers that year, always told a story about how he was warming up before the game. And this old man walked by in a Pirates uniform and said, Hey, Lefty, I see you throwing that high, hard stuff. Throw it high and hard to the Wayner brothers. They're both Hall of Famers. They won't be able to resist it, and they won't be able to touch it. And he said, when the guy walked away, he noticed he had these really long arms. It turns out it was uh, Honus Wagner. So and the, well, the Pirates back then were known to not just show up and play. They always played to win. They, they led for most of the game, and then the Glovers hit three consecutive home runs in the bottom of the ninth to win the game. Well, you've told us about several uh, fields, if you will, up in Fulton County, the Glover's Park and Berkshire Park. Another field, I believe they're all separate, but correct me if I'm wrong. Another field is Parkhurst Field. And you had a story in your first book, Generations Mirror Each Other at Parkhurst Field. Yeah, so so Parkhurst Field uh, took that name in 1917 when the Parkhurst family bought it. Uh, it was actually A.J. and G. Park at the turn of the century, and that's the field where Honus Wagner came and played with the Pirates. But in 1917, it became Parker's Field, and then around 1955 is when the Glovers of Little League took over the facility, and it's kept the name Parker's Field ever since. Um, but the story we're talking about here is uh, when we were doing a vintage game uh, a few years ago, I received a call from a guy named uh, Phelps, one, his last name was Phelps. So he talked about his grandfather having played on that field when the Pirates came to town and turned the century in the game we talked about with Honus Wagner. So uh, we did a little more research on Ed Phelps, who was his great-grandfather. He was from the Albany area, and he played with the Pirates, and he actually holds the claim to fame of being the, the very first catcher in the first World Series ever held, 1903. Um, hmm. So for the vintage game, we invited Phelps to come, his grand great-grandson, to come play. His name was Jim Phelps, and he also brought his son. His name was Colby. Colby's middle name is Jay Hill, which was the great-grandfather Ed, Ed uh, Phelps's middle name, Jay Hill. So he was named in honor of his great-great-grandfather. So they both participated in the game. Jim played and Colby was a bat boy. So for the so, in 75 years, you know, the name Phelps was heard on the loudspeaker system again at the park. Yes. Over all those years. And, and one more uh, story from your uh, first book, baseball's clown Prince appears in Gloversville. Yeah. What's neat is it's another major baseball movie that we can connect to the area. Uh, this time it's uh, bull Durham another funny uh, baseball comedy with Kevin Costner. Um, and in the movie, there's a, there's a scene where there's a Costner's in a, in a bar and this old guy introduces him to Susan Sarandon, the two main characters. Um, so Max Patkin had been a minor league player and ended up becoming like a, a comedian. Like he'll, he would show up to thousands of games over the years where he would be like uh, mock the players and be a, a fake first base coach and just entertain the fan during the game in between innings. So uh, Patkin had 
had appeared in over 4,000 games, you know, as a comedian and would travel a hundred thousand miles a year going from minor league ballpark to minor league ballpark. Um, and he kind of, his career was kind of culminated or, you know, he finally got his due when he was invited to be in that movie. And again, he played himself in the movie. He was, uh, you know, did his comedy act. And of course that famous scene where he introduces Costner and Sarandon and he actually danced with Sarandon in the movie. Mm. Very good. So these are stories from uh, volumes one and two of hometown sports heroes. Uh, how can people uh, buy them? Available through Amazon. So just go to amazon.com and in the search box, type in my name and the last name is H A U S E R. And, uh, both, both volumes will pop up. There's also some ebook versions, uh, some, uh, football books. So mm-hmm. in addition to baseball, there's some football ebooks. And if all goes according to plan, you'll be putting out another book at the end of this year. Will that also be about baseball or will you be branching into other sports? My main focus has been baseball, but along the way we have been writing football and basketball stories. Um, I've got enough to do a book with half basketball and half football. So we might do that. Uh, if not, we'll have to wait until we have, you know, 16 stories to do a full book on each, but regardless, we'll definitely have a new one out by the end of the year. Well, I, I know that football has been big in uh, Johnstown Gloversville. There was a, a, fam- a well-known semi-pro team up there, right? Well, so we talked about Brian, me, um, one thing I didn't mention in that story was in between seasons one year, he suited up. They started the uh, Glove City Colonials mm-hmm. back in 62. And that's when the Gloversville High School player, former Gloversville High School players and former Johnstown High School players kind of put, put aside their former rivalry and got together and uh, started playing semi-pro games against teams across the state. And Brian Mee was the first quarterback for that team and scored their very first touchdown. But before them, uh, back in the 30s, there was another team called the Johnstown Olympics. And same thing, it was all former players, even some Amsterdam players, and uh, they would kind of barnstorm across the, the state and getting paid to play, you know, semi-pro. Mm. Well, one thing about uh, Fulton County and maybe adding in Montgomery County is You've got several sports rivalries there. I mean, it's hard to keep that going what, with declining population and so forth, but Johnstown was always playing Gloversville and vice versa. Right, and that's that's what made the, the, the Glove City Colonials so unique is that the players were able to put those, those really intense rivalries aside and come together. And you might even add the Amsterdam players in, in different sports. Amsterdam always had the, the Amsterdam Zephyrs, so they had mm-hmm. their own version of these teams. But periodically, you know, they would come and play as well, you know, with, with the Colonials or with the Olympics. Right. Well, Mike, how, how long have you been uh, writing the column now? The column's been, a, I think we're in our fifth year doing the column. Okay, well, good luck with that. It sounds like you've got enough material to last a long time. Yeah, I figure, you know, when you start out writing one story, you know, um, you come up with ideas for four or five others. So we've got about 90 stories, 
you know, on the wish list right now to write about. And, you know, that grows every month as we do more stories. Mike Hauser writes a monthly column for the Leader Herald newspaper in Gloversville called Upstate New York Sports Lore. Mike also is writing a series of books of biographies of Fulton County sports figures called Hometown Sports Heroes. You've been listening to the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore.